I think this parable is unjustly forgotten about. Unjustly forgotten about because I think in this particular parable we can see Jesus telling a brilliant story that gets to the heart of the issue, the heart of the gospel actually as well. And uh, while it's not the shortest, it certainly is packed. Uh, each, uh, each word seeming to have a particular profound impact. We have this Pharisee, and sometimes he, the, the word is translated publican, but that means tax collector, somebody who works and was seen as an outsider, somebody who was uh, cooperating with an illegitimate uh, oppressor, the Romans, looked down upon, and of course the Pharisee would have been somebody who was well-respected, well-liked in the Jewish religion, uh, the Pharisees were not the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the kind of the rich and the influential. The Pharisees were the teachers, the ones who dealt with the people, the ones who helped the people to live. And so often we get a sense that Jesus and the Pharisees went head to head because Jesus hated them. I think the reason they went head to head is because Jesus had the most to say to them. Because if the Pharisees would begin to believe in him, the people would. That's how much influence these Pharisees had. But this particular Pharisee is an interesting character, isn't he? He takes his place in the temple area. And while Jesus doesn't tell us exactly where he is, we get the sense, uh, if you know, uh, just uh, I, I've shared before, and I'm sure others have as well, the temple was very much set up, much kind of like our Catholic churches are. We have the area where only the priests or those assisting with the, the liturgy go. The, that would have been the court of the priests in the, in the Jewish temple. And then we have where only, only the Jewish people could go, Jewish men first could go, the court of the men. Then court of the Jews where the Jewish men, women, and children could go. And then outside of that, the court of the Gentiles where anyone could go. I get the sense that this Pharisee is as close as he can to the railing into the court of the priests as a Pharisee, he wouldn't have been necessarily a priest, although he could have been. And he says this prayer. Did you catch it? Who he's saying the prayer to? He says this prayer to himself. Thank God I'm not like the rest of humanity. Greedy, dishonest, adulterous, even like that tax collector back there. Look what I do, Lord. I give tithes and all my income. I give and I give and I give and I give and I fast and I eat, pray, and I do all this stuff, Lord. Look at me. It's almost like he's expecting the Lord to come down and give him a great big huge pat on the back. And even if the Lord doesn't, he certainly has given himself a pat on the back, hasn't he? He's filled with so much pride and arrogance that he cannot see what he's doing. He speaks these, these words, and yes, I, I counted them up. There's 29 Greek words that he's speaking to the Lord. And aside from God, there's not one ounce of thanksgiving, not one ounce of awareness that God is the most important thing in his life, the most important person in his life. There's nothing. It's all about him. It's all about his deeds and what he has done. It's almost as if he, he assumes that God is going to grade him on I, I like mentioning this, grade him on a curve. As long as I'm better than half of humanity, that's all that's necessary. I don't have to be better. I just have to be better than you. 
Reminds me of the story of the two men that were walking in the woods and came across a bear. And the, the one man bent down and retied his shoes. And what are you doing? The bear is going to get me. Well, if I don't tie my shoes, I can't run. Well, we can't outrun the bear. No, we can't outrun the bear, but I can outrun you. We think this, this Pharisee acts like all he needs to do is be better than most people. Well, he doesn't quite get it, does he? And the Lord says he went home unjustified. He didn't get what he was looking for necessarily that was good. And I'm convinced more and more and more when we come to the liturgy, when we come to Mass or prayer or adoration, whatever it is, we get exactly what we're looking for. If we're not looking for anything, we get nothing. But if we're looking for an encounter with the Lord, we'll get an encounter with the Lord. If we're looking just to put in our time and, and say, oh, look what I've done, well, that's exactly what we get. This Pharisee leaves with exactly what he wanted, this great big huge pat on the back with no relationship. But then we have the tax collector, most likely a Jew, otherwise he wouldn't have been framed in the Jewish temple. But I can't help but see him standing outside in the court of the Gentiles almost ashamed to raise his eyes towards that altar where the sacrifices were offered, ashamed to raise his eye to the Holy of Holies, that tabernacle, ashamed to raise his eyes and just beating his breast over and over and saying, be merciful, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Six words in Greek, by the way. Not one about himself, except that God would be merciful to him. This prayer of contrition this prayer of sorrow. He's admitting who he is, that he's a sinner. He's admitting that he is a sinner who is in need of mercy. And this mercy is not just a forgiveness of sins, but mercy to, to just live life. Mercy to, to live in accord with God's will. Though he was a tax collector. He assumes he's failing. Notice he's not putting himself on the curve. And I'm convinced, if this were a true, true story, this were a real person, I'm convinced after the crucifixion of our Lord, he would have understood that we're not judged on a curve, but judged by the cross. That he needs to come to the Lord as he is, with humility, with poverty of spirit, coming to the Lord and saying, this is who I am. He went home in, in peace. He went home justified. And that word justified is one that often escapes us. And, and uh, I, I've heard a pun, uh, it is a pun, but it is true that to be justified is to be made just as if I hadn't sinned. To be made right with the Lord is the way I would rather have it. To be made right and, and just with the Lord that, that now everything is made right. And only the Lord can make it right. There's nothing we can do. We can give tithes and tithes, and we can give away everything. But if we don't come to the Lord, if we're doing it all for the wrong reasons, it means nothing. This tax collector understood that it's about relationship. That's what mercy is, is about relationship. It's about seeking the Lord above all things. And we hear in that first reading that God does not show partiality. 
to anyone. Oh, so often we hear, the, and even our psalm, God hears the cry of the poor. Yes, that's true. But he's, it's not like he's partial to the poor. He's just. And he wants to give what is just, what is right. He wants to make all of us right, which is why he sent his son. Again, on our own, we can't do anything. We can't earn salvation. Salvation is a gift that is given. It's, and it's given to those, as St. Paul would tell us in today's second reading, for those who seek the Lord. Notice he doesn't say anything about works. And works are important, don't get me wrong. Faith is important, don't get me wrong. But they work in conjunction with the gift that God has given. So often we find it so easy to perhaps be like this Pharisee, that we, as long as I'm better than most others, or we might even have, well, as long as I'm better than that person in particular. But sometimes, I, and I've heard and I've, I've seen this too, on the opposite way. Well, I'm not as holy as. Yesterday was the Feast of St. John Paul II. Yeah, I, I had the privilege of meeting him, shaking his hand, and certainly I felt unworthy to be in his presence. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. Yes, he was, he responded to God's grace as fully, as completely as he could, and is now, thank God, honored as a saint. But that doesn't mean that I have no hope or that you have no hope. Each of us is called to be saints. Each of us are called to respond to the love of God. And it begins with this idea of the tax collector. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's a prayer I learned a long time ago, and a prayer when I have nothing else to pray, when I don't know how to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It says everything there that we need. Because again, mercy isn't just forgiveness of sins, but mercy is the, the presence of God in our lives. When we come to the Eucharist, when we come to prayer, we have to ask ourselves, what are we looking for? Now, I'm convinced, and more and more and more, and I've already said it, that we get exactly what we're looking for. If we are coming to Mass and we don't think anything's going to happen, guess what? The homily's going to be boring, the music's going to be terrible, the, the readings aren't going to speak to us. But if we come to Mass saying, I think there's going to be an encounter with the Lord here, we'll encounter the Lord in some way, shape, or form. Because we're looking for it, we're going to encounter it. What are we looking for? Are we looking for self-praise? Looking for proof that we are better than, we, than the rest of humanity? Are we looking for the mercy of the Lord? The forgiveness of the Lord? The grace of the Lord? Are we looking for to be self-justified in our own righteousness or that we are truly justified, made right with the Lord. 